0: Here in Ireland, everybody remembers Daniel <laughs> Smolfty. And it's in my DNA, it's in his
1: DNA. And I don't mind people talking about it, to be honest. Uh, it's a good memory.
0: Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream, wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app.
1: OTB AM, with Gillette, in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent Still Delighted to say Brent Pope is with us. Brent, how are you?
0: <laughs> good, thanks. Yeah
1: we uh, 've been doing this now for a while yeah. where we 're getting people to talk about the best fifteen they played against yeah um, it 's a good crack it is yeah it, everybody has complained about how difficult it is
0: it 's really difficult i mean when you know especially for someone like myself that 's been involved in over a lot of years the well most of the amateur game, but I kind of you know boarded over coaching wise into the professional game, but to have been involved with so many players when I started going back. I thought, God, I mean, you know, so many good players I play with or against and coach and all these things. Even I was going back there, interesting enough, and selecting a an all-black side and a South African side because I was looking for a couple of positions so somebody could come back on them of all the players that had played in Ireland at some stage you know and you picked a pretty good pack when they are going back it was an all-black all, an all black pack that played for Belvo or you know types of guys like Ian Jones was down in Crescent you know John Mitchell was at uh, and Buck Anderson were at uh, Gary Owen Mike Brew and Black Rock and Baship you know all these players Bruce Deans and Belvedere Steve McDowell and Belvedere you know
1: when did was, you come over?
0: I came over I was the first of that sort of gang I came over about the same time as Warren Gatland and Brent Anderson and Gary Owen and John Mitchell so there's a group of Bruce Deans that uh, sadly Bruce passed away you came Uh, over to play
1: not to coach first no
0: I came over to play for St Mary's right okay yeah, and was left in the Did you not hear that story about my welcome? No. So, okay. Uh, in those days, I got a couple of offers to go and play rugby overseas just for a season, I thought. We'd just finished. We'd just won the national championship for the first time in, in Otago rugby's history, part of the Highlanders group before that. So I got a call from from someone at uh, St. Mary's Rugby Club saying, would I come over and have a season for them? I, at the same time, I got a call from... Um, a club Benetton or something in in Italy. So I had to make the choice: would I go to Ireland? But uh, my grandparents were from Ireland, so I thought, okay, I'll come over and spend a few months at the end of the season, go back to New Zealand the following season, um, and. So I got off the plane and I was told I'd be met by same St. Mary's Alakadoos, which I was. they were very kind and I had my big bag. There no phones in those days, no mobiles or no you know, I think I had a bit of cash but no visa cards or anything like that. So they took me into town and as customary, then had a couple of drinks with those guys and they brought other players in to meet me and they had a couple of drinks with them. Consequently, a couple of drinks, a couple of drinks, a couple of drinks and then they all abandoned me about 2 o'clock down in Leeson Street. So I came out of Leeson Street out of Legs at that time with all the regulations to go with a couple of bags and... Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. So a taxi driver took pity on me and he said, what are you, where are you going? I said, well, to be honest, I don't know. And I said, I don't know who to contact, and I've got no money, and I don't know where to go. And he said, what are you over here? And I said, I'm over here to play for a club in, uh, called St. Mary's in Temple Oak, I think. And he said, I know where that is. So he said, I'll take you up there. might be somebody still up. Why he thought somebody would be still up at two in the morning, I don't know, but that was in those days, might well have been. So we drove up there, and there was no one there, and it was raining, lashing with rain. And he kind of said, well, there's nothing more I can do. So he sort of dropped me off the gates there. So I huddled into the foyer of, of St. Mary's Rugby Club there with a big dry as a bone jacket that I had at the time and my bag as a pillow and I honked down there for the night and then the next morning somebody came up the club and he just stood over me, he was up to unlock the club for the mini rugby and he said hey, he said, you must be our foreign player. And I said, yeah, that's me. And he said, come with me. He said, I know where you're meant to be staying. But I thought, you know, much has changed in rugby because you imagine Brian O'Driscoll or something going out to, to New Zealand or something and be treated that way. But, ah, uh, oh, I, I, I loved Irish rugby then. Uh, you know, it I really was an eye-opener. I remember being told that, you know, being quickly brought aside by some players in Marys and saying, hey, don't come over here, show us up with your... With your Kiwi ways, you know, because I I was really fit, you know, so they said, look (laughs) you know, have a cigarette and a a pint of beer, and I said, well, that's the way you want to play it, so much has changed I'm delighted to say, in in, in Irish rugby, and uh, people still people still don't get, I think you know, how proud you can be of this Irish team because it's, it's not your national sport. So I go back to New Zealand all the time. That's a bit of a joke for me to say to all blacks that I played with or something, hey, it's not even Ireland's, you know, number one sport. So if they get the GA players involved in the football, look how good they could really be. But it's an amazing their achievements and a sport that's not your national sport like New Zealand. How long did you play for here
1: before? Because you got into coaching pretty soon. I
0: got into coaching pretty soon. And I tell you, I got into coaching because I. I was—I wasn't really coming to the end of my playing career, but in a sense, Victor Costello um, had thought about coming up to some was, and he was such a great number eight, a young number eight. And I said, "Look, I'll stand—I'll stand aside." I mean, if you get a chance to get Victor, I said, "I'm coming to the end of my sort of career." I was pretty battered and that, and bruised um, at that stage, so I said, "Look, I'll—I'll I'll step away from." That and I'll go away and get some experience coaching. So I went out to Cantar for for six years, which I loved. You know, Cantar for that stage, we took them up from the from the bottom of the third division to winning the Leinster Cup in the first division, and I sort of built a team from players that were probably a bit disillusioned from other clubs. And so I really enjoyed that. Phase. This
1: is the 90s we're talking.
0: 90s and then I was invited back by some of the, uh, Mary said never, no Leinster team had won the AAL at that stage and that's when AAL was rugby was was, big, was yeah. the big thing, you'd yeah. only get three or four uh, spectators down to Leinster because they weren't affiliated to any clubs, so you could play for Leinster but people wanted to know what club you come from, you know that's not the way now because it's Club Leinster. As first, some some players don't even get to play for their clubs. So uh, so Victor uh, uh, came out to Mary's and, and was great for a number of years. I went off to Clontarf, but then I came back to Mary's in, in their centennial year in uh, 2000, and I coached Mary's. We won the AL for the first time, but that was a great side. I mean, you know, with Dennis Hickey, John McWeenie, Trevor Brennan, who was a great character. Of course, Victor Mallow, Kelly, Emmett Byrne. You know, we had about 10 internationals at that stage playing club rugby. You know, so that was when it was at zenith. But uh, yeah, I was involved in some good games. I was involved in that final against Young Munster. Where I got sent off, and that's in folklore now because Young Munster they've never won it again. And that was the greatest day of their rugby. But there were some real characters.
1: Um, I don't know that story.
0: <laughs> no, I. I what what I, did I, you do? I, 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 <laughs> I foolishly broke Brozzy's jaw, who was a, a well-known Munster player and player for Young Munster. But that game was. They reckon there was they reckon there was twenty eight thousand or thirty thousand at a club game at that stage. And everybody came it was meant to be a home match for, for, for Saint Mary's, but all the people from Limerick said, hey, we're coming anyway, and if you can't accommodate us, we're going we're to get into the game anyway, anywhere they, they, they could. Uh, but it was a fantastic occasion. And, at you know, the old Lansdowne Road. At the old Lansdowne Road, yeah. So there was a bit of a scuffle at the start of the match because I kind of led the way and said, look, I mean, they think we're soft and, you know, uh, kind you of, know. yeah, well, which uh, Munster <laughs> teams and Limerick teams obviously thought you were. So we said, okay, look, you know, to soften up, we we initiate a big sort of scrap in the first minute or so, which happened. And both trading trading punches. I think I was probably trading punches with Geralds or someone like that. Keith's father, who was a, a real tough nut and a great player, should have always played for for, for Ireland. But um, the Cosses, you know, the two Cosseses, and they were a tough pack, man. <laughs> you know, I don't think club rugby's ever seen a pack that kind of hard and the grizzled. I mean, teams were terrified of going down to to, to to young Munster and playing them down there because you know but uh, it was a tough place to go.
1: But That's there, 1993, I've just found out. Yeah, that, so there
0: was respect. So anyway, just before just before half-time, I I had been targeted that match, and, and rightly so, because I was probably one of Mary's talismanic players at that stage, and they probably thought, if we can get at Pope, we can get at St. Mary's. So uh, I carried the ball up on the blind side there, and I saw out of the corner of my eye uh, Francis and the big uh, young Munster and Munster centre coming over, and I thought... You know, kill or be killed was, was my attitude, which had, had always been my attitude in those days because r- rugby was a lot different. You had to take a punch and receive a punch and go, and whether you like it or not, that's what rugby was all about in those days. But So then out of the corner of my eye, he was coming across field and I just dropped the ball and I turned around and, and, and whack. Uh, unfortunately, with the momentum, and he was a big guy himself, himself the, the momentum and I was always... You know, I'm not proud of it, but I was always relatively handy with my fists in in, in matches, and sort of the, the momentum he dropped, and 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 of course I was sent off, much to the uh, much to the abuse of the crowd. In fact. After that match I was I couldn't go back I just thought, look, you know, all is forgiven, I'll go back and sit the rest of match out on the on the sort of the bleachers and no, I was escorted out of the ground by a couple of guardies saying, Look, you know, you you shouldn't (laughs) you shouldn't be around and I thought, Oh, you know, just sort of get over it but uh and and I have remained close since that time and the the whole stories and folklore and poems and that and I always get invited down to Young Munster Club by the likes of the claw and these guys. So there's a bit of there's a bit of respect, kind of, you know, street respect.
1: Yeah, they did call. It, they used to call Young monsters ground the Killing Fields. That's, that's <laughs> what it Brent was. started that. It, but it's like uh, well, the Roy Keane tackle on Mark Overmars in 2001 in the first minute. You're setting the tone by. Except getting by sent that. off. Except getting sent off, kind of. Yeah, It's yeah. probably in the same area of the pitch, actually.
0: But that yeah. was uh, that was uh, uh, just a f- uh, another quick, funny story on that. Uh, uh, when I was playing at Otago, was a kind of veteran, I've been there for so long. But we had a, a, um, a Samoan prop came over and played with and went on to play for to, to Samoa years later I think uh, the, the Sui Fani Aloha. Sui was a great guy but he didn't really have such a great sort of command of the English language at that stage you know but anyway I was his kind of mentor uh, at, in Otaga for a number of years and he followed me around and say, what's Sui do or something like this so we were playing one game or something I think it was against Canterbury or something like that. Sui was, was tough you know he was a great prop and uh, first scrum went down and was customary in those days You got a bit of softener from the opposition, you know, just to see whether you're up for it or whatever. And it happened all the time, and um, so Sui takes a a punch, and the ref comes in and breaks up the two teams. And he, he, um, Sui comes back into the huddle and looks at me, and he said, "You know," he said, "What, "What do Sui do?" And I said, "Well, Sui, the way New Zealand rugby works, unfortunately, is that." if you don't throw your best punch back to this guy that threw one to you, you're going to get hassled all day. You know, it was that kind of bullying culture that I didn't like, but, you know, so that was the only way to get respect, that you'd have to show some steel, but I suppose like first day going into prison or something like that where you've got to stand up. So anyway, the next scrum went down and I heard this almighty smack and then I heard this kind of bellowing sound like a sort of a, a, a car hitting the ground you know and the ref ran in immediately and blew the whistle and separated the two teams and I remember Sui coming back to the group and looking up at me with this big Polynesian smile and said Popey and I said yes so he said Sui so do good Sui so do good and I looked around him for some reason, and I looked down, and I said, "Yep, suey. I said, "You did, you did well." I said, "That's great." I said, "But just m- next time, make sure it's one of them." He turned around, and, and and as what used to happen in those days, front rowers used to come through with a with a, with a punch.
1: Unfortunately, yeah,
0: unfortunately, it cocked our hooker who was out. <laughs> you know, flat right on man. the ground. So it was a sort of a lesson in how you motivate players to say, "Well, look, you know, yes, you you you've probably done the correct thing,
1: but just next next time." The the uh, the coaching takeaway is be very specific in your.
0: Instructions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was rugby, right, and <clears throat> I'm not talking You know, anybody that played in that area, those those players, that that's what that's what it was like. You had to, you know, you had to stand up for yourself. Otherwise, players would pick on you the whole game. There wasn't it wasn't so much about talent in those days you know, when I was playing, especially in the forwards it was more about that you mm. stood up, you know, and um,
1: uh, that full match is, by the way, the nineteen ninety three final is on YouTube if anybody wants oh, to go It's on back YouTube. And, yeah, yeah, yeah just, it was I a great intercept.
0: It. Uh, by Jerry by, uh, Earl's again is something that scored the try but I'm glad looking back I, I'm glad looking back that that Young Munster actually won that match because it goes down in history a bit like Mary's you know won it a few few years later and it took a long time to do for them so it was that game will always be steeped in their history mm. because they might win it again they might not but going back to those legends of the game that all played club rugby at that stage yeah. you're, not, you, you're not comparing it's like comparing boxes as you do you know who was the greatest heavyweight? Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. So in those days, when the likes of O'Gar and all these players, O'Connell, all that, they radiated to the club game first, and then, in fact, it was a thing. It was it was a thing. I remember my first game against Shannon. Anthony Foley was playing just out of school. I thought, oh well, I'll soften this young guy up, and the opposite the opposite occurred. So you know, he was he was a, he was another tough young player. But that was the way they came through the system to get selected for Munster, and then get into try In fact, they come out of the clubs i Straight, Straight and on.
1: Yeah, let's talk about your team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the yeah. best fifteen you've ever played against. Uh, yeah, I'm going to run through them and then we'll come back and talk about them. So, yeah. the uh, the forwards: Diego Cash of Argentina. You've cheated at your hooker. Yeah. You've got Keith Wood slash Sean Fitzpatrick, which yeah. isn't allowed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Olo Brown, Olo, Olo. Olo Brown, Olo Brown. Yeah. Rudy uh, Visagi Rudy Visaggi Rudy is a good story Visaggi. around him. Martin Johnson. Yeah. Michael Jones, Alan Wetton, and Zinzan Brook, yeah. who is a, a fixture at number eight in these yeah. teams so far. Nick Farr Jones at nine. Yeah. Jonathan. Davis of Wales at 10 yep. Tim Horan and yep. Joe Stanley yep. John Kirwan yep. uh, at 13 uh, Inga. Oh no, I've got John. Oh, no, I took Inga out. I put because Inga was
0: player played against. I played with JK, but I put him into my all-time best team. I think you couldn't leave him out. So Kerwin, Campese and so we got it. For, John but, Gallagher. John Gallagher. Yeah, that was a close run thing. So Campos at fourteen. Yeah. Well, it doesn't really. I just put them on the on the wing because yeah. I had to make a last minute few changes because <laughs> I played with. See, I played uh, I, guys. I played. I played when rugby in New Zealand was probably at its strongest. And we look back now, I mean, everybody can say that, but I mean, that Auckland team in the late 80s and early 90s was a full all black team and more that wins the world cup, the first one. Wins cup. the world cup with, with thirteen of the regular players. It's like Leinster now. And you you also had guys Frank Bunce couldn't make the team who we went on to be to, to be a great New Zealand player as we know. Frank Bunce couldn't make the starting team. Pat Lamb couldn't make the starting team. They were the qualities of the of the of the subs they had. But they basically were the were the side that won the. World Cup in 87, and also smashed touring teams, you know, the Lions, uh, South Africa, uh, certainly they would put 40 or 50 points around Wales, you know. So they were great, so that was a great era of playing. Like you you still go uh, to, to the loose forwards I had to get past in that stage in New Zealand rugby and to be involved in were the likes of, you know, Buck Shelford, uh, Zinny Brook, you know, uh, Cronfield was a bit late, I played with Josh, uh, Michael Jones, Alan Wetton, and Zinzan Brook Michael Jones and possibly Wetton are still regarded in New Zealand's great as with Kerwin as New Zealand's greatest ever team so Michael Jones would still make everybody's and Zinzan Brook would make everybody's World 15 regardless of era but they were the types of players so we look at the All Blacks now and you say look they, there's too many one cappers walking around you know the people that they tried out in the professional era, or something like that when, when you played in my era, you knew every player that you played against because you could maybe play against them for 10 seasons but, um, yeah, so uh, I suppose just quickly going through that team is, I suppose, it's, it's who you leave out is a bit like, you You've know.
1: got to pick Keith Wood or Sean Fitzpatrick. Well, that's the, that's the rules. <laughs> I'm probably
0: going to have to go, I, I, I put that in only that slash because not b- because he works here, not because, you know, but I probably have to go with Fitzpatrick on reputation because I played against him at, at the higher level. Uh, you know, I played against uh, Woody for Gary Owen or something like that. But, but people, people can forget how good a player he was and how, you know, we can look at a World 15 now and you can pick five or six Irish players in it. And that's only started over the. Uh, the when I came over to Ireland first, you wouldn't have had. There wouldn't have been any. And that's no disrespect to the Irish players, but mm. there would have been very few, if any, Irish players would have made an all black squad, let alone an all black starting 15. And the only player I talk about that would have made an all black squad at that stage, probably as number two, uh, uh, you know, behind Fitzpatrick, would have been Keith Wood. Later on, Brian O'Driscoll, Paul O'Connell, Sean O'Brien. Yes, all those players would have made World 15. Now you're looking at Doris, Van der Fleer, you know, Ryan, mm-hmm. you know a lot of guys would make it but in those days probably Keith would but for the purposes of that I played a lot of times against Sean I'll I go with Sean I just needed to mention Keith in there but
1: was that the toughest exclu- would that be the toughest exclusion in Keith or were there tougher
0: oh players? no you're looking at a lot of players that I lived in, that I played with you know now I, I took a bit of license because some of those players like you know Horne and that I would have played against in, in one off sort of charity matches Nick yeah. Farr-Jones would have been another one uh, I, I, a, a guy I got to play with albeit he, he won't remember but it was that uh, I played for a lot of teams you see and a lot of those touring teams like the Pig one, Ping was or the Warblers or Warblers the Barbarians, you got to play with players like Philippe Solar or something like that, or you got to play with other players you wouldn't in the 15-man game. Mm. Uh, so that was a hard one to leave out. But you know, looking at wingers like Brian Lima, the chiropractor or whatever like that from from Samoa, because at one stage we had a tour every year domestically, uh, which involved Canada, um, the US and Argentina teams. It was fantastic because you got to play against all those players, and there were some good players that just make it, but I mean, even Martin Johnson. People forget Martin Johnson had a season. I would have played in he had this season out in New Zealand playing for King Country. Yeah, 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 When he was a young guy, so through the New Zealand cult system and that, so I would have played against him. So that's a bit of license out there. But the interesting story about the about the second row there is, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to. to to, to to make it about big men in those days because, yes, there's a lot of second rows that I would have played against or with, like, you know, Zinni's brother, you know, Marty Brook and Robin Brook, they're talented players and, and Gary Wetton, and all these players. But two that come to mind and they've got stories behind them is the biggest men that I would have played at that stage was Rudy Vasaki, who played for Natal and played a few games for South Africa when they weren't playing international matches. He was about six foot Seven or six foot eight and about one hundred and forty kgs. Then, then we're going back to the late eighties, early nineties, and uh, then the other one was a guy called Norm Storm, a Stormer Norman Hadley from Canada, and he was about equally as big. But the sad story about both those guys is that the the well, sad story about uh, about Norm, who I. Uh, kicked around a bit with Canadian rugby was that he was famous. He was on the front page of the tabloids in the in the UK, because, and that's where they gave him the name Storm and Norman because he uh, he boxed a couple of guys that were trying to steal a woman's handbag on the on the tube. So he's a six foot nine guy, and he's got both of these guys in a headlock or something. that was photographed, but uh, he lost his life sadly in in, in Singapore. He's working as a on as a, a Hong Kong, sorry, as a, a bank or whatever, the, a, a couple of years ago. But the other story about uh, Rudy Vasaki is also one of kind of tragedy, because um, he ended up waking up in the morning and uh seeing his daughter's Volkswagen being driven out of a I I I don't know I think he was on a farm being driven out of the uh, of the uh, estate and he uh, shot a gun and he killed his daughter
1: oh jesus Right.
0: Um, so you know that just shows you one thing about the sort of gun laws that existed, you know, in, in that time, you know. But uh, it, it was a tragedy. But he was the biggest man. Now that was just a one-off match we played against Natal. I think he was playing Natal at the time. But uh, but just a physical specimen of a guy. So there were more talented players, but I just wanted to combine the the kind of the mm-hmm. team that you would have the big tough second row in Johnson and Vasaki. You'd have the the just about the ultimate back row in Jones Brook. and and Wetton you could possibly replace Wetton with a couple of other players that I played with but um, you know I didn't think there was anybody good enough Nick Farr-Jones David Kirk you could have in the mix Graham Bashop all these players I played with um, you've you put
1: Campo in. What was Campo like to play against?
0: Well, again, that's a bit of a sort of a, a litany because I played I played against him probably in the seven circuit more right. than the fifteens, But uh, I probably played against him. I think we played the Australian Barbarians or something. Oh, Campo was fantastic for the game. You know, just one of those sort of iconic figures that you know just played the game like it should be played. And 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 you know he's often overlooked now. And as players. You know, Matt Williams would obviously mention him because he would have worked with him or something and, and against him. But, I mean, Campo's sort of in the, in the new list of world greats. Does he make it into everybody's all-time 15? Uh, possibly not, but he should. He was a fantastic player. And, and, and you know, he, he he was there was a the love or hate relationship between him and the New Zealand because, I mean, he'd go walking down the end of the ground when the Harker was on or something like that. But... Uh, no, he was a great character. In those days, you know, rugby was about characters too and and, and he was great. Inga was another player that you feared against. I I was lucky, unlucky enough not to play against uh, the great John Alamu. He'd be obviously one in everybody's selection, but... Uh, but I did see the size of him up close, and I just thought, you know, <laughs> how rugby has changed. He's probably he probably goes down as my greatest ever player because he was the one player in all those players that changed the game forever. And I don't think many other players have done that. Mm. Uh, maybe he's in Brook. Yeah, Zinny. I know Zinny. <laughs> I know Zinny well. I had him over last year. Actually, he's a, a great house guest, and he's a great guy. And Zinny, and I grew up at the same time. In fact, in fact, Zinny came into the World Cup after I came in 1987 when I pulled out. Um, through injury at the, at the very last moment and uh, they, I often say you know I often say to Zinny Zinny I gave you a break which is not true because
1: you know I, I, he might have made it anyway but you know you helped him oh
0: no well he he wouldn't have at that stage because he wasn't in that but they flew him in as the last moment sort of replacement because he wasn't even involved in the trials and that for that year but but, uh, you know, no better man to, to, to give a potential spot up to. But, uh, no, Zinni was just, uh, you know, talk about multi-talented, you know, could kick off both feet. And those were the days when you were told not to kick as a forward, drop goals from the halfway. He was just an ultra-confident player. And he was lucky enough. I he admitted it himself, he was lucky enough to play with the likes of Michael Jones and that forward pack in in. In uh, in Auckland at that time, I mean, Zinni scored something like thirty or forty pushover tries. You know, the the team just marched forward, but. A fantastic player because of his creativity. Um, some others would say they'd look at players like Buck Shelford, and that was a more direct type of player, you know. But I played against the likes of Dean Richards and Mike Teague and these guys, you know. As, no, as far as number
1: eights are concerned, given that you had uh, Irish grandparents, was there ever any chat of playing for Ireland when you came Great over? Great grandparents, was... sorry. Oh, was that yeah, so was... no?
0: There was those inquiries made when I was out in New Zealand, actually, because I went back the first year Ireland toured. At that stage, with the likes of Vinny Cunningham, that were, were teammates so much, yeah, and yeah. they nearly beat the All Blacks. Yeah. I should have. Here is something. Here is something that 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 I I I don't know whether I regret it or not, but my loyalty my loyalty stopped me going back. My loyalty to St Mary's and to Ireland, and, and few people know this. My loyalty really prevented me going back and and playing for the All Blacks in nineteen ninety two because we just finished a season for Targa. We won the national championship and we beat Norkin for the first time in the history. And Targa's only done it twice, despite all the great players they've had over the years, the Confields, the Wilsons, the Coopers, that you know. So we won it and I decided to come over for that end of that season, because that's what you did. I played in the States as well. You know, you go to have an off season where you play two or three months and, and then go back and prepare for the next season. So in... Between that time, Laurie Maines was my coach at Otago for 10 years, and I got on well with Laurie, and when I played, I started. So on the bench at that stage was Josh Cronfield, Aaron Penney, Jamie Joseph, when I was playing. The loose for tree in those days was Mike Brewer, myself, and Paul Henderson. Both those two players went on to captain the All Blacks at some stage. So Laurie rang me and said, would I come back for the All Black Trials in 1992? And unfortunately, Mary's got into a relegation battle um, so that there was a game coming up against Gary and they had to win to stay in the first division. So I declined Laurie's kind of request to come back and, and, and go through the trial system because they had to go through the All Black trial system or whatever because I thought he wouldn't make All Black coach. But of course then he was, in nine two he was appointed the All Black coach and I was still stuck in Ireland. I'm not saying stuck in Ireland, I love my time in Ireland and, and, and there's a whole journey behind that mental health-wise, it was so good for me. Um, but uh, that game against Gary Owen cost me the chance because the All Black trials were, were, were on the same day back in New Zealand, uh, so I couldn't get back for those. And then after the All Black trials, Aaron Penny and Jamie Joseph are named in the All Blacks Side in front of Zinzan Brook, right. So nice Aaron too. Aaron is named in front of all, uh, of, of Zinzan Brook, and they go on to have twenty five or thirty caps. So <laughs> that was a regret because I look back now and say, you know, uh, yes, I was I was in my thirties at that stage, but I was still pretty fit and I was still playing good uh, good rugby over here, but. I had a sense of loyalty because I thought that coming over to Ireland and coming over to St. Mary's at at, at that stage when I was struggling with my mental health was the best thing I did in my life, you know, and and it allowed me to remain over here and make friends and and start a different life in coaching and, and media and that. So. It, it's it swings and roundabouts. Yeah, one door
1: opens and other closes. No, exactly, yeah. Brent. You've been great with your time. Thanks a million for that uh, best fifteen. We'll stick it on Twitter for people to uh, to see and have a look and a debate about. Yeah, there'll
0: be a couple there like Diego Cash from Argentina that people won't know, but people that know all about scrummaging will know that he was just you know players like Hugo Port and that I would have liked to put in, but there wasn't. Uh... I thought you'd have Grand Fox. The <clears> Yeah, Fox. that was one because I, Foxy Foxy. I, I played against a lot of times and. Probably probably played with and, and was phenomenal. I just think Jonathan Davies was just and again a, a very underrated player. I mean look what he did when he went to rugby league. He's probably played in, in a Welsh side that didn't didn't give him the reins that they might have had in the in in, in the seventies. But you could play him at either fullback or out half. He was an extremely gifted player. He's a good goal kicker, he was a great runner. Foxy was a phenomenal reader of the game and a phenomenal goal kicker. But when you're trying to get a backline sort of set alight with the likes of, you know, Joe Stanley and these types of players, Horan and Little and those guys, and Campo and JK and the winger and Gallagher, who was such a great player for a couple of years, then you probably needed someone to attack a bit more. Mm. And so that's why I'm. Uh,
1: Good stuff. Tough decisions.
0: Yeah. Tough decisions, but, you know, I don't think they're going to sweat it. You know, <laughs> 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 playing against Brent Pope won't be on there. I won't be on there. grade as 15. So. Uh, but uh, look thanks for giving me the opportunity no it's great to come and have a, a chat anyway about, Absolutely. It,
1: uh, about rugby there you go OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember Effortless Shave Magnificent Moe